Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Well, we're continuing week three in our Above and Beyond sermon series. Have you enjoyed it so far, church? It has been um, really amazing just watching as God has continued to breathe life into our church. And uh, the whole idea of above and beyond uh, comes from Ephesians 3.20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask, imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. And we can see clearly that our God is so much bigger and so far above and beyond all we can think, ask, or imagine. And we're leaning into that a little bit. We only have this week and next week left in our series, and then we're jumping into a bit of a Christmas series. But, you know, the first week we talked about the blessings on blessings and how you actually have an inheritance in Christ and in God that enables you to walk in the blessings of God. Last week, uh, we talked about the fact that the odds are stacked on your side and the fact that you have victorious power in this life that you can access that's above and beyond what you might think that is lim- the limit of your life. You can operate in the expectation of what God's going to do. And this week, I want to talk about how God is a fulfilling promise kind of God. I want to talk about the promises of God and the fact that he actually does what he says. Isn't that good? Aren't you grateful for the fact that God actually does what he says he's going to do? So if you wouldn't mind turning in your Bibles with me to Hebrews 6, 9 through 15. Can I see who has a paper Bible in the house today? We got a couple of you. Come on. We're starting a revolution. It is happening. We're bringing it back. You know, everything comes back one time or another. Uh, Bell bottoms, right? They just came back. Other, Other things come back. And here we are with paper Bibles in church. And so it's great. Go get one. Go get your name stamped on it. It'll be great. Hebrews 6, 9 through 15. And we're also going to read in Genesis 21, 1 through 5. And it says this. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case. He's talking to the entirety of the Jewish church at large. He's talking to all the believers. And the whole idea of Hebrews is really helping them to stay strong in the faith, to stay established in the faith. So that's what he says. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we are convinced of better things in your case, the things that have to do with salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you have hoped for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience, everybody say patience, inherit what has been promised. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. So after waiting patiently, there's that word again, Abraham received what was promised. And then jump over to Genesis 21. Verses 1 through 5, it says this, Now the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah what he promised. 
Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At that very time, God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to his son, Sarah bore him. When his son Isaac was eight days old, Abraham circumcised him as God commanded him. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born. Let's pray. Lord, right now we thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity that we get to hear your word today. And maybe a reminding way and maybe a new way, I pray, God, that it would speak to us. It would help us along the journey. It would help us to be better disciples today. Lord, anoint ears to hear it. Anoint my voice to speak it. And let your name be made great. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Turn to the person next to you and say, Amen. Amen. The title of my message today is, Who Said It Was Easy? Who Said It Would Be Easy? You know, we go through life, we go through everything trying to look for the path of least resistance. We try to make sure that life can be easy or we search for happiness, if you will. And I think that that's kind of really the idea in so many people's heads, like how can I survive life and have the easiest way? And you know, it's interesting. I don't think really many people have ever told us it's going to be easy, but it's kind of what our humanity longs for. And, uh, you know, we had pre-marrieds actually with, with Grayson and Michaela this last week, and we sat down with them, and we're going through this book together, helping them to get ready for marriage. They're our first couple that's getting married at Grace City, Tampa. Isn't that cool? Where are they at? I don't even see them right here. He's probably out doing something great. So love you, Grayson. Hope you can hear this. Um, we sat down with them just talking through marriage, talking through communication, through finances, through sex, and, you know, all the easy stuff for sure, and told them, guys, don't worry. This is going to be the easiest thing you've ever done is get, no, we didn't say that. We're like, guys, this is going to be a lot of work. It's going to be hard. It's going to be effort. Communication doesn't come easy in marriage, right? If it did, we, gotta, we should talk after this, and I want to figure out your secret. You got the secret sauce on your marriage, you know what I'm saying? But really... Communication, when you're talking through finances, when you're talking even through sex, all of these things don't come easy. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. That's why we do pre-marrieds, to help bring a little bit of wind behind your sails so that you can actually maybe try to have conflict resolution rather than fighting for five hours and sleeping in separate rooms, right? We don't want that to happen. Don't sleep in separate rooms, right? So it doesn't come easy. And that's what we told them this last week. You know, it's funny, not even in everything I feel like in our life, you feel this tension of how can I find the easiest way to do this? And even planting our church, I spent the first eight months leading up to the plant of this church writing a message every week. Why? I wanted to get ready to have to stand up here and preach. I'm not someone who has been preaching for the last six years. I think I preached a total of six times before we planted the church. That's a little crazy, right? Like, what are we doing out here? I don't know. Who gave me the mic? I don't know. It's not something that comes easy to me. And so I had to figure out, how do I discipline myself? How do I get better at this? How do I equip myself to be able to speak? And even leading the last, you know, eight weeks coming up, I've been able to prepare messages. And it almost feels like there's wind behind my back. But this last week, it gets to Tuesday, which is my sermon prep day. I sat down at a coffee shop. I got my coffee. I got my AirPods in, and I turned on some great worship music. Bobby Walker just screaming in my ear. And uh, <laughs> I'm not sorry, Bobby. And I'm sitting there, and 
the scripture that I picked out months ago with the sermon series made no sense whatsoever. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? I spent the entire day writing a sermon that I'm not even gonna use. And I sat there just, I gotta just get, I gotta get this out of me. I just gotta get it out of me so I can move on to what's here. And, and I remember waking up Wednesday morning being a little stressed out because I've had my sermon done pretty much by Tuesday every week and been able to mull over it and been able to let it sink inside. But then Wednesday comes around and I have nothing. And, and just really feeling the Lord say, like, just spend time with me and, and it's gonna work itself out. And that's kind of what happened this week. But can I tell you, this was not an easy week. This was one of those weeks where you're like trying to figure out what God wants to say and how he wants to say it and feeling like it's dead ends everywhere you turn. And I think that this whole idea of who said it would be easy came from that, came from the, the struggle to be able to figure out what to even say this weekend, came from the idea of that, of who said it was gonna be easy preaching? Who said it was gonna be easy building a church? It hasn't been easy, can I say that? Can we be honest in here? It hasn't been easy, but God's hand has been on it and we've seen his favor and his blessing and it's been phenomenal. And somehow, I haven't slipped up too bad preaching, right, Casey? We're figuring it out, right? I love it. So if God never said that things in our life would be easy, we can't find things in the scripture that say it's all gonna be easy. Why do we expect that when it comes to promise fulfillment? Why do we approach our lives and our, our, our world coming to God and asking once and believing it's going to happen. Which I think we should have that kind of faith, amen. We should approach God with that kind of faith, but God never said it would be that easy, not once. And we, we expect that maybe for that job, maybe for that thing, that it would come to be. But I want to encourage you today that no one ever said it would be easy. And I know that's a weird way to encourage you. You know what God did say he would do? He said he would come through. That's what he said he would do. He said he would come through. And when he speaks a promise, it will come to be. There's actually over 7,000 promises that God speaks to man through his word that come to be in the word. Meaning, he's a promise-fulfilling kind of God. And in Hebrews 13, 8, it says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And my prayer for all of us today is simply this that you would understand that his promises are above and beyond and that he fulfills his promises. Are you with me? I hope that you would understand that he's actually using a process to help teach, lead, and equip you so that you might, when the promise comes, that you've learned much more than just receiving a promise immediately. The promise, or the above and beyond promise fulfillment happens through the process. And I want to talk about that idea today, that the above and beyond promise fulfillment happens through process. There's actually a process to the promise. And so if we look back at the scriptures in Genesis 21, 1 through 5, this is the promise. We read this together. Abraham receiving his son. He's 100 years old. Sarah's 80. That's a supernatural promise coming to be. You know what I'm saying? A little different. Bless him. I know for me, with my kids getting up in the middle of the night, that's a lot. No sleep, all that. So God bless that man. Someday we'll have to ask him his secret sauce. But uh, anyways, here it is, his promise fulfillment. God has spoken it into being. After years of waiting, he told him that he's going to be the father of many nations, and yet he hadn't had an offspring with his wife. He told him that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars, and yet he hadn't seen that come to pass. And 
he and Sarah even attempted in their own way to figure out how to just make the process happen. How many know that never really works out? When you feel like God has spoken something to your life and you just kind of force it, it never works out. And that's what happened with Abraham. And Sarah says, take my slave and, uh, you know, have a baby and that's going to be your offspring. And that was not the promise that God had in mind for them. And yet they still had to wait for the actual promise to be fulfilled by God. Isaac was a promise that was fulfilled by God. He was a miracle that didn't make any sense at all, yet God. And I think it's easy, so often we try to force things, we try to make things happen in our life, try to force a relationship that you know isn't the right thing. You know exactly what kind of person you should be looking for. It's clear, you can see it in the word, what should I be looking for? What kind of job should I be going for? What's my calling? Why am I on this planet? And we try to just test the waters, we test the the things. And I encourage you today, wait for God. There's promise, there is a process to your promise. So we see this, we see the promise fulfillment. Abraham now received the promise. And so then we look at Hebrews 6, 10 through 15. And right here is the process, if you will. And as it goes through the scripture, as he's talking to the Hebrew people, he says this, show the same diligence to the very end so that the hope so that what you hope for may be fully realized. And it says, we do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those through faith and patience. That's so key. He's telling them, don't become lazy. Don't just sit on your hands, but actually take advantage of this moment and do something about it. And then it says this in verse 14, and this is key for what we're gonna talk about today. Saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. There's the promise again. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised to him. After waiting patiently. In the first part we read in 21, you could read through about five chapters and not really see the patience in here. And you just read five chapters and within two minutes, three minutes, you could be at the promise. Oh, he, God spoke this and then three pages later, he fulfilled his promise. It's great to see that. It's great to see how easy it is how God fulfills promises. But here we see the journey was a little bit more taxing on him. Here we see it says that he had to wait patiently for the promise. So we see this, that there's actually a process to your promise. And maybe God is trying to teach you something along the way. Maybe he's actually trying to equip you with the things that you need for life along the way while you're waiting for the promise to come to be. You haven't gotten that dream job yet. The healing hasn't come. The fulfillment of the promises that you see in your life, whatever you're waiting for, whatever you believe God has spoken to you, you're waiting for them to come. I would encourage you, embrace the process. Embrace the process. Why? Because God is trying to teach you something along the way. At the beginning of 2020, Brianna and I had saved up money along the way, um, and we had figured out that we were able to buy a new car. Now, a little bit of backstory of my car. I've, I've never owned a brand new car in my life. Um, I've always, you know, kind of drove the cars uh, that don't sound quite, quite right. The engines have a little click in them, whatever it might be. You know what I'm saying? There's black smoke that comes out the back and all that. Um, 
And when we had first moved to Puyallup, it was 2014, uh, we were about to have a baby. We only had one car that was kind of working, and this guy gave me a Honda Civic. It had over 200,000 miles on it, and it was a 97, didn't have a muffler, had mold inside of it. It was a terrible, terrible car, but I was like, thank you, God, you know? You just kind of drive whatever you can get, and you make it happen. And there I was in this little Honda Civic, uh, driving it to its grave, basically. And it actually lasted about six years. Isn't that awesome? Hondas last forever. That's what everybody says. Nobody has any idea. Like, you've never driven a Honda to the grave, but that's okay. But here I am driving this thing and uh, making the best of it. You know, put a little stereo in it. I'm like, I'm just going to drive it till it dies. And we got six years into this car, and it was really on its last leg. I mean, I was trying to replace everything. I felt like every week I had to replace something new on this car. And so, finally, we gave it to somebody else. You just keep on giving. The gift that keeps on giving. And that guy's actually still driving it today, which is mind-blowing. So, that's crazy. So, it just keeps on living. I promise. But, so we had saved up money. We were ready to actually buy our first nice car. I hadn't had air conditioning in six years. Uh, you didn't really need it in Washington except for like two months, Okay. But I hadn't had air conditioning in six years. So what did I do? Jumped on Craigslist. Never a good idea when you're buying a car, but okay. Uh, and I jumped on Craigslist, found this car. It was the first car I saw. Brianna said, don't you think we should wait a little bit longer? And I was like, no, this one's great. Uh, my dad had told me, don't ever buy a salvage title car. But I saw that it was a salvage title, and I saw that everything was great. I'm like, well, if I look at it, it should be fine, right? Uh, just don't do it, Okay. So I went and I bought this car. It was, a, it was actually a Honda CRV, 2015, had 50,000 miles on it, and it was a salvage title. I got in the car, it drove beautifully, everything worked in it. It was like the souped up version of this car as well, and I was like, this is the promise of God. This is, I mean, absolutely in every way, God is making a way for me to have this car. And I talked to the guy down actually from 10000 to $7,500, and I put it in his hand, and I was so excited, and I drove away in my new car. Went straight to the car wash, got this thing all cleaned up. I was so excited. This was only a year and a half ago about. And I drive it away, and it was about two months later. I'm in the parking lot of the church eating with some friends, and a lady backs into the front of my car. Oh, it was so devastating. So I, I go over there, and she had just pushed in the bumper, and I was like, okay, it's not that much damage. It's no big deal. So I got her insurance information. I went to the shop the next day and dropped off the car, as you do. They were going to give me an estimate. So I get, I get in my Uber, I start driving away, and about 30 minutes later, the shop calls me. They said, hey, you need to come back. That's never a good sign, right? 30 minutes later, come back. I come back, and he walks me into the bay to see my car, and I see the entire frame completely mangled. I see, like, random pieces of metal welded on there to be a support for the bumper. And I go, what is this? I'm like, did she hit it that hard? No, and he goes, no, this is, this is very old. Someone absolutely scammed you and sold you a car. And I, I felt so stupid in the moment, right? I felt terrible in the moment. What have I done to my family? Like, I was so mad. I'm like, how do I get this guy's number? Because I'm about to go to his house. You know what I mean? It was one of those things. I'm like, I'm about to hunt down my promise, you know? <laughs> I like full on was so embarrassed too to tell people about this. I mean, this was very recent. And... I asked him, I said, is there anything we can do? Like, can we put more money behind it to fix it? He goes, no, this is a totaled car. It doesn't even have an airbag in it. And I was like, okay, so I could have died. Yeah, it's terrible. So what I did is I drove it home and feeling devastated. I just, all the money we had been saving for years thrown in the garbage. 
this car just sat out in front of our house with like a dented bumper, feeling just devastated. I get a call a little while later, and, and you know, God seems to work things out, but I remember just feeling so devastated. I called my dad, and I go, Dad, I messed up, and I bought a salvage title car, and now I know not to buy a salvage title car. And can I tell you that I've learned a lot since then in buying cars, and I actually, praise God, was able to buy a car, uh, finally, that is good and is not a salvage title. Isn't that great? It would have been worth the reward if I would have waited. It would have been worth the reward if I would have just waited and found a car. Maybe it wasn't as nice on the inside, but it would have lasted my family. It would have been worth it, but I put my family in a weird place financially, and I threw away all of this money because I wasn't ready to wait for what was to come. And it's easy in moments of desire, isn't it, to force a promise. It's easy in moments of desire. It would have been easy for me driving junk for all these years to desire the better thing right now. If I would have waited, I would have gotten other options and it would have been worth the wait. So I would encourage you today, can we invite the process? Can we actually invite the process and even though maybe you've been waiting for time after time after time for God to come through, I want to encourage you today that God is doing something above and beyond in the process in your life. We have to understand that the in-between time is the above and beyond that God wants to do. And you thought you were just getting a promise, but in turn you learned patience along the way. You thought you were just getting a promise, but in turn you learned love, joy, peace, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And this is how the Bible says that we are to live and keep in step with the Spirit. In Galatians 5, 16 through 17 and 22 through 25, it says this. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. In 22, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this is how we're supposed to live. These are the things that God is teaching you along the way. And I really believe this, that God doesn't give you what you want when you want it. He gives you what you need when he deems you need it. And we can trust in that. He doesn't give you what you want when you want it. He gives you what you need when he deems that you need it. So invite the process. Learn along the way and I broke my main idea into three parts, and it's really just a way for us to understand what this looks like. And I'm going to go through these pretty fast. Number one, take hold of the promises of God. Take hold of the promises of God. Choose faith to believe it. We have to choose faith to believe it. The Lord's promises are for you, and they are for today. And we got to take hold of them and run with them. In 2 Corinthians 1.20, it says this. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Meaning, the promises are yes for us. And we just have to complete them by our amen. In believing them and accept the fact that God has promises in store for you. We just have to have faith to believe. That his promises are sitting there waiting for us to reach out and grab them. Some of them in the word are this, that he is your strength. Another one says that 
He will never leave us nor forsake us. Another one is he has plans to, for you to prosper. That he hears your prayers. That he will fight for you and on your behalf. And he will give you peace. And he will love you. And on and on and on and on. This word is chocked full of the promises that we can carry in our lives to live a life with him. Receiving the promises of God isn't easy. And no one ever said it would be easy. No scripture ever says that. But it happens. Whether in the way you want it or whether the timing that you want it. We even saw that before that it was the very timing that God had spoken. A silly pet peeve of mine. Is it okay if we're a little honest here today? A silly pet peeve of mine is if I go to a restaurant or a coffee shop with someone and they order a drink or they order some food and it comes to their table and it's not what they ordered and they say, ah, no worries, I'll eat it. Is that a pet peeve for anybody else? We got three people in here. You're like, that's a silly pet peeve, man. Like, you're crazy. I would say why it's a silly pet peeve of mine is because I feel like people that do that don't understand the fact that they actually just paid for what they ordered. Right? Like, you walked up to the front, and you paid your money to get that orange mocha frappuccino, Casey. You paid your money to get that peppermint mocha, and then they gave you a soy peppermint mocha, and you're like, I'm just going to drink it? I'm like, wait, you paid for that. You paid for that. And you might hear where I'm going with this, but I think so often in our lives, if people understood that when they paid for something, they actually can receive that thing, that we would understand what, what Jesus did on the cross for us. And when he paid for it, we actually should expect and receive the promises that he's spoken into existence. We shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be intimidated to ask for those things. Why? Because he went to the cross, he rose from the grave, and he made a way for you to live a life with these promises. You don't need to be ashamed of that. You need to sit down and it even said in the, in the scripture before, don't be lazy, but imitate those with faith and patience, right? It takes action. So don't just wait. Okay. We'll see if it comes to be. We'll see if they bring the right drink today. No, lean in and receive what God has promised, the inheritance he has for you. Take hold of the promises of God that are yes and amen for you. So choose faith to believe it. Number two. Look out for what God is teaching you along the way. Look out for what God is teaching you along the way. Focus eyes to see it. We've got to focus our eyes to see it. And in Psalms 25, 4 through 5, it says, Show me your ways, Lord. Teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are my God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. This really is a journey that we are on. And in Psalms 25, it says that, that we have to be taught the ways of his paths. Meaning that the path is the training ground in which we're going to receive the promises. We have to be taught the ways in which God wants us to go and along the journey. And, you know, even in marrying Brianna, I think you have these great expectations of what you're going to go into with marriage. And I thought we were just going to get married, have the happiest life ever. We're going to figure everything out. Finances aren't going to be an issue, right? You're on your honeymoon and you're like, this is great. Like, it couldn't get any worse than this. And along the way, I didn't realize that I was actually getting a partner that would become my greatest challenger, right? She'd become my greatest equipper, encourager, partner. 
person to call me out. And after even one or two times of doing something that's not beneficial for myself, for her, or for our family, she calls me out on it. And I remember being so easily offended for especially the first couple of years together. When she would call me out on things like, what do you mean? Uh," And then you find ways to jab back. And that's kind of marriage, right? Anybody else? Three people. That's great. (laughs) Okay. See you guys. Grayson, maybe we should find somebody else for your pre-married. Uh, who didn't raise your hand? You can do pre-married with Grayson and Michaela. But she, it used to offend me when she would bring things up to me, and we would, that was what would cause tension and fights. But now, in so many ways, and not every way, okay, I'm not perfect in this, but in so many ways, I actually welcome it. How can I be better? How can I be a better husband? How can I grow? How can I learn? Why? Because I become better. We become better and our family becomes better, which actually now translate into our church becomes better. And I welcome the process of what I can learn along the way. It wasn't just, you know, fairy tales and all this like happily ever after. It was what's the journey, what's the path you're taking, and can you keep your eyes open to see the things you're learning along the way. I've learned a lot of patience. I've learned how to be kind. I've learned how to be slow to anger in marriage. I've learned how to be more generous than I've ever been before. I've learned how to care about people at a deeper level than I ever have before. I've learned how to be selfless in having kids. The process along the way, we gotta welcome the process and look out and have focused eyes. We have to embrace the abrasiveness. We have to embrace the abrasiveness. And people who seriously work out, which is not me, say this, that no pain, no gain. This is the reality. We love to run the other way from pain or the abrasive and Yet to achieve the above and beyond promises of God, we need to lean into the process. Amen? He could be teaching you along the way love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And his purpose, I can tell you now, that he wants you to simply just be in relationship with him and have a life with him. And that's what this process looks like. And so number three is this, that it might seem like a cop out a little bit, but I'm okay with that. And I want to invite the band up, but it's an absolute necessary part of the process. And that's this, is giving the glory back to God and having the heart to give it. Giving the glory back to God and having the heart to give it. It's a heart thing. So you were never meant to carry the glory. It was God's promise to fulfill. It is his fulfillment And he deserves the glory for it. You're not meant to carry that. In Revelations 4.11 it says, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory, honor, and power. You created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. We have to get our hearts in the right place, understanding that he is God and we are his children. And you hear of countless famous people, not that I have any idea what their world is, but you hear them talking about how lonely they are and how hard it's been to be famous and you also watch the fact that they don't have anywhere else to give their glory other than themselves. And I think that that might be the biggest issue with fame is people carrying the glory for themselves. We were never meant to carry it. We're meant to give all the glory, all the honor, all the power back to God. It's his and his alone. So I want to tell you the rest of my story with my car. Don't you love the grace of God and how good he is? I, uh, I got a call a couple weeks later from the insurance company. 
And they said, hey, uh, you know, actually, we have, um, we have a little claim for you, for that lady hitting your car. I was like, really? <laughs> like, did you see the rest of the car? Because you probably wouldn't give it to me. And they called me, and they sent me a $2,000 check. I remember just, oh, my goodness, like, I didn't embrace the process. I didn't wait patiently. I forced it, and here comes $2,000 out of the blue. <laughs> it's crazy. And then I decide, you know what, it's still a working car. Maybe someone will buy it for parts, and I put it up on Craigslist, and, and then I get a hit the next day from a guy who rebuilds salvage cars. And he called me, and he said, hey, I'll give you $2,500 for the car right as it is. So not that I got all of it back, not that I received every bit of what I had put into it, but I just want you to know that, that God sees you and he knows you and you could fall as far away from the plans that God has for your life and you could force a promise, but can I tell you, God still has plans. And that $4,500 was actually the way that we were able to buy a car when we moved here to Tampa. Isn't that crazy? I love that. The reality is in our life, and I'm gonna conclude here, but... Not all promises that we feel come to be, and that's a hard thing to say. That's where our belief in God can really conflict and people have a hard time following Jesus because he didn't come through. And not that I have any idea why that happens. We just have to trust God. My dad, who has struggled with chronic back pain now for 13 years, who basically can work about four hours a day and has to go home and find a position just to rest his back so he doesn't feel as much pain. Uh, we still haven't seen healing. I don't know why. It's the, it's the journey we're on of trusting God and believing that he's good, no matter what maybe reality might tell us. A couple years ago, my uncle, who was suffering from ALS, went through about a five or six year journey of that and lost uh, the ability to use his limbs, uh, lost the ability to use his voice and we watched him fade and pass away. He was a pastor of a church, a beautiful church that's still going. His daughter actually is a pastor. It's amazing and it's still continuing and people are still finding Jesus at this place and his legacy lives on and people still love him and talk about Pastor David. I don't know why promises don't come to be. And I can't even pretend like I have an answer for it. I can tell you through everything. I call my dad and we pray and we have faith to believe that his back is gonna be healed. I don't know why it's not, but we're still gonna hold on to faith. We're still gonna believe that God's gonna come through on that. I know for my uncle, he's in heaven. And his limbs are working perfectly. And his voice is speaking praises to God even now. And we can trust the fact that whether he works it out for good of those who love him in this life or in the next, he's still faithful to work it out, whether it's in our timeline or in his. So we need to trust God with the process. We need to lean into the process and know whether it's working out for us right now or not, God is teaching us something. He's helping us to live a life worthy of the call. At my uncle's funeral, my cousins, who had not been in church for five years, started going back to church. 
I don't know if you see the correlation, but I do. And not to say that he had to die for them to come to church, but just to say that God finds goodness throughout all the dysfunction and all the hardships and all the the trials and tribulations we experience. God brings life. We can trust that, amen? Would you stand to your feet? I want to give an opportunity for anybody who maybe hasn't entered into this relationship with Jesus. We always give this opportunity. Why? Because we never want to pass by it. And so if you wouldn't mind bowing your heads and closing your eyes, we want to give some privacy. But if that's you, if you hear me talking about the promises of God and you're like, I don't even have a starting place for this relationship with God. I don't even know where to start. I would encourage you that right now today is your day to find this relationship with Jesus. So one... I'm going to raise my hand. I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to encourage you to raise your hand when I get to three. One, God loves you so much. He cares so much about you. He sent his one and only son to die on the cross so that you can know life in this life and life eternal with him. Two, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation, so don't wait any longer. You want to give your life to Jesus or you want to renew your relationship with him, would you raise your hand right now? Three. Come on, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we celebrate these people raising their hands? I see a couple hands through here. Praise the Lord. People coming to faith, people entering into a relationship or returning today. Can we pray this prayer together and repeat after me? Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for raising from the grave. I believe that you are king, and I welcome you into my heart. I give you my life, forgive me of my past, and give me hope for my future. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on, can we celebrate those people one more time? Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.